What's up, you beauties? <laughs> that was cringeworthy. It was cringeworthy. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome to Philly, Keith Yandel. Uh, what's up, you beauties? Welcome to HW 3.49. I'm Jim, joined as always by Kyle and Jack. Uh, if you're not listening live, please make sure to subscribe, follow, and listen to us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or Spreaker. Quick shout out to our affiliate sites, fullpresscoverage.com and bellyupsports.com. Bellyup Sports, they do what the others don't. And while you're listening to the episode, check out our site, hwhockey.net. If you haven't noticed already, we're joined by a special guest, Mr. Charlie O'Connor of The Athletic and Broad Street Hockey Radio. Charlie, what's up? Thanks for joining us, man. Yeah, how's it going, guys? Let's just jump right into it, Charlie. It's a pleasure to finally have you on. Uh, we thought we saw as the season was coming to a close, there was going to be major changes, and there really has been. So let's just jump right in. The first trade the Flyers made this offseason, just as an overall sentiment of the defense, how do you feel now compared to last year? Um, I mean, I definitely think it's better. It's it's a better defense on the whole. Um, and I think in large part, I would say that's because they have Ryan Ellis, who I am extremely high on. He's been one of the, in my mind, one of the better right-handed defensemen in hockey over the past decade. And I mean, he's only 30, so he's not too old. Um, I think he'll be a perfect fit next to Ivan Provorov. So to me, I mean, that's the that's the key move. That's the slam dunk move of the offseason where, you know, look, Phil Myers, I still think eventually is going to turn into a solid second pair defenseman, but I don't think he's ever going to be as good as Ryan Ellis is right now. So you've immediately upgraded the roster in a big way just by swapping Myers for Ellis. Obviously, you also sent out Nolan Patrick as well, but... You know, who knows what the Flyers really even had in Nolan Patrick at this point. I, I I think Nolan Patrick, I think for for everyone involved in that situation, I think it was probably better for him to get a fresh start somewhere else. So you basically upgraded from Myers to Provorov, and you moved out a guy who probably wasn't in the long-term mix anymore for this team. That, to me, was a slam dunk trade. And just by getting the first pair to work the way, hopefully, you know, the way it did in 2019, 2020 with Provorov and Niskanen. I mean, that's already an enormous upgrade on, on what they had last season. How much better of a trade did it feel like when we all found out on that call that his injury wasn't as serious as it was made out to be? It was his knuckle, I believe, and not a shoulder or anything. Everybody was yeah. surprised. Yeah, I'm, I'm really not sure where that shoulder thing came from. Um, it just sort of popped up and – Everybody's kind of ran with it. I think I assumed that Nashville people, you know, that that was that was the move. I mean, I obviously don't cover the Nashville Predators, um, but no, it was a shattered knuckle. Um, I did more digging into it after uh, after that that interview we had with Ryan Ellis, and um, apparently he shattered his knuckle taking a Patrick Line shot off his hand in February. Uh, so kind of a fluke thing. Um, didn't have major surgery. I think they consider doing some type of big surgery to fix it. They ended up not doing a major surgery. I think, I think they might've put a pin in his, in his knuckle, you know, just to kind of facilitate the healing process, but nothing major. And then he came back and, you know, was not the same guy after coming back, but apparently now he's fine. You know, it just needed time to heal. So much less serious than a shoulder surgery where you're worried. I mean, we've obviously seen Vladimir Tarasenko's value tank because of shoulder surgeries of multiple failed shoulder surgeries. So definitely good to hear from a Flyers perspective that Ryan Ellis doesn't have that kind of potentially chronic injury, you know, a shattered knuckle. I've never had it happen to me. It must be painful, but I imagine it's not the kind of injury that can cripple a career the way a shoulder can, considering the way hockey's played. Yeah, no, exactly. That was that was shocking to hear, but made the trade that much better. 
And uh, Fletcher was definitely off and running with that one. So I'll jump off of Ellis. I go to one that's a little more um, has the fans divided, I guess we'll say. Uh, Rasmus Linen uh, was acquired for a hefty price. I don't think anybody's arguing that. But um, your thoughts on that acquisition? I mean, I think I've been pretty pretty <laughs> obvious in my analysis of that acquisition. I, I, let me put it this way. I've been a Rasmus Ristolainen doubter for like this isn't a new thing i've been a doubter of his going back on five six years and part of that is because i really liked him a lot in his draft year you know, he was the guy who i wanted in that draft which was the draft they took samuel moran i watched a lot of tape of him you know going into that draft and then when he eventually got you know got the call and ended up with the sabers i watched a lot of him in his young career and you know, obviously his numbers are really bad. You know, that's undeniable. He's never had a season in the NHL where he's ever been a good, even strength defenseman from a results standpoint. His teams always get outshot. They always get outchance. They always get outscored. And they always do worse with him on the ice than they do with other players on the ice. So that's objectively bad. But my thing with the eye test and watching, when I've watched him a lot, I don't like his hockey IQ. I just don't. He does not strike me as a smart hockey player. Um, I don't like the decisions he makes with the puck. I really don't like the decisions he makes without the puck. So I'm very much a Rasmus Ristolainen skeptic. That said, I mean, the, the the risk the Flyers are taking with this trade is basically that Ristolainen has only been used in Buffalo as a top pair heavy minutes defenseman. In Philadelphia, presumably, and I guess it's not you know, a guarantee. There's always the possibility that, you know, the coaches fall in love with him and he jumps Ryan Ellis on the depth chart, but presumably he'll be used more as a middle pair guy, you know, likely on the pair with Travis Sanheim, you know, getting still a decent amount of minutes, but not nearly as many minutes as he got in Buffalo. And the idea is, is that you give him a lesser role, you give him slightly easier minutes and he'll play better. And that's fair. And that's very, that very well could be what happens. I'm certainly not ruling that out as a possibility. Maybe if he's not facing off against top lines every night on every shift, you know, he'll be able to, you know, kind of settle into a more comfort, comfortable, you know, playing style and make fewer mistakes and the results will turn. To me, it's just, it's a risk because you're betting on something that you've never seen before. And to me, you know, that's maybe not the risk I would take in terms of giving up a first and a second round pick for like, I don't, I never had a problem with the flyers trading picks away this off season, like improve the team trade picks away. I just don't know if he was the right guy to trade picks for. And that's my concern. So we'll see. I mean, in theory, you put a big physical guy like Ristolainen pair him with Travis Sanheim. It could work if Ristolainen is a good defenseman. And if he, puts up significantly better results than he did in Buffalo. And I'm very much taking a wait and see approach, but I've, I've, n I have not been a fan of Rasmus Rus Alliance game for years. This is really, isn't a new evaluation for me. Okay. So if there's no point in me asking you um, if you think it had something to do with Buffalo being as bad as they were, because you kind of came out and said he tends to be the worst on the ice from the eye test, from the analytics, from all that, simply because of his hockey IQ. Um, I guess I would, ask do you think that had anything to do with the fact that he was asked to play big minutes much like Luke Shen back in Toronto when he was 18 years old and getting just dominated by guys uh and not to mention Darlene who was considered pretty close to a generational if not franchise defenseman is also struggling up there I mean I think the probably the best argument in favor of Ristolainen and turning it around is just that Buffalo is this uniquely toxic environment that just ruins guys. Um, and that's possible. You know, I, from my understanding with, um, was for Ryan O'Reilly. 
Well, Ryan O'Reilly was really good in Buffalo. He just stopped loving hockey, and then he wanted to leave. (laughs) He was a good player in Buffalo. He just was even better in St. Louis when he no longer hated the sport of hockey. Um, I'm more thinking about guys like Brandon Montour, you know, who did not put up good results in Buffalo, gets traded to Florida, and immediately starts playing well. You know, uh, thinking about somebody like Colin Miller, who was very good for Vegas, Buffalo trades for him, and immediately he falls off a cliff. You know, guys like that where you just kind of wonder if, you know, if there's just something in the water, particularly for defensemen in Buffalo, that just ruins guys. And maybe. And in my understanding and the conversations that I've had with with people close to the Flyers is that's very much a lot of the thought process behind why the Flyers think Ristolina would be much better in Philly is that they just don't trust anything that happens in Buffalo to be, you know, representative of a guy's true talent level, unless you're like a Jack Eichel and you're just so good. It doesn't matter. It's like, it's like going using like a football comparison. It's like how, you know, the Detroit lions are pathetic, but like if you're Barry Sanders or Calvin Johnson, you're just so good. It doesn't matter. But if you're a normal guy, you might get ruined by a team like that. So that to me is probably the best argument against it. I will say though, that, you know, the argument that, he was rushed to the NHL, you know, that, that that's the reason like that very well might be true. The problem is, is that that's all happened. You know, if, if his development curve was screwed up by being rushed to the NHL, you know, he's 26, 27 years old. Now, I don't know if you fix that at this point. So maybe, I mean, maybe if he'd been directed by a, you know, a team that was smarter and developing, that wouldn't happen. I'm just not sure if that gets fixed now. Do you take any consideration into the idea that he's had how many coaches and how many years and how are you really supposed to develop when everybody has their own idea of how you should develop as a defenseman and every year you're going into a new system, a different system, you have to adjust to all that while trying to develop into an NHL player. You don't think that plays any part? It could. It certainly could. I will say, though, that other defensemen on that team didn't perform as poorly. So yeah, it certainly could. And and that's, again, uh, that's something that Chuck Fletcher cited in his, his press conference after the trade was that, you know, we feel like the stability of the flyers will help rest the line. And, you know, Elaine Vino obviously is an established head coach. You know, he's, he's coached teams. He's coached two teams to the Stanley cup final. You know, he's had extended success in the NHL. And the hope is, is that, you know, you put him under Vino's tutelage and hopefully he'll, he'll work through some of the issues in his game. And it's certainly possible. Um, it's just, again, as I said, you're taking a leap of faith, you know, you are, and, and if it's one of those things where like, if you had given up a fifth round pick for a guy to take a leap of faith, I'd be fine with that. If you're giving up a first round pick to take, I I'd rather be getting a sure thing given the price and given the fact that if they keep him, they're going to have to sign him to a massive deal. So out of curiosity, this is just, uh, me personally being curious. Do you think, um, I completely lost my train of thought. It's been a long day. <laughs> we got a question from the crowd here. Uh, so, Charlie, you said you liked him up to your draft here, and it's funny. I, I really do believe the Flyers would have taken him if Hattie had fallen. Yeah, um, I think so too. Uh, Charlie, were there any hockey IQ concerns leading up to that during the draft year? So I think there probably were. I, I, I'd really have to go back through scouting reports and whatnot. I think the big thing with him was that he was just so physically dominant that it was easy to brush any of those concerns aside because when you're when you're bigger, faster, and stronger than everybody on the ice, you can pretty much do whatever you want in juniors, you know, in, in the yeah. finished juniors and whatnot. So those sort of things, a lot of times they don't stick out as much until you're at the highest level. 
because then, you know, you can't just out athletic everyone. Then you really do have to think the game at a higher level because you're against guys that, you know, maybe aren't quite as big and strong as you, but they're close enough that they can make up the gap. So I, I do believe, I mean, I, I definitely don't remember him being called like this hyper smart player. It was definitely, you know, the big thing was the physical tools. The physical tools are, are unreal. And they are, you know, in Rassel's Rest of the Line's defense, his physical tools are fantastic. He is a huge defenseman who is strong, who's willing to hit people, who's willing to, to muscle guys out in the corner and in front of the net. And he has pretty decent puck skills. He's not an elite puck mover, but he can move the puck. He's not a Justin Braun. So the physical tools are there to me. I, I just, I do worry about the mental tools and you're hoping that in lesser usage, you know, maybe he won't be exploited in that area as much. Hopefully for the flyers, that's the way it plays out. I think that's the way they're envisioning it playing out. And, you know, we'll again, take a wait and see approach and how it plays out this upcoming year. So the yeah. big thing for me um, with the, the wrist and trade was the fact that we gave up so much for a guy who is on an expiring contract. Have you heard any, uh, talks at all about a possible extension and what that might look like, or are they going to kind of apply a wait and see type of move here? Yeah, that was, that was a really fascinating part about this trade because when we spoke with Chuck Fletcher, the media, um, about a week before the trade, I think it was like about a week and a half before the trade. It was before, um, you know, long before the draft. And we asked a bunch of questions about, you know, the, the off season approach and everything like that. And one question that was asked was, are you going to be willing to move the first round pick? And he basically said, yes, I am. I'm happy to move it essentially. If I, if I think I'm going to improve the team, but the one caveat he gave was that I'm not going to move it for a short term solution. I'm only going to move it for a long term solution. And to me, I read that very much to be a direct response to the Seth Jones rumors, because at the time that was when the Flyers were still linked to Seth Jones and it became clear that Seth Jones wasn't going to sign an extension in Philadelphia. And to me, that was Fletcher telling everyone, I'm not giving up that pick for Seth Jones if he's not willing to resign, because if he's not willing to resign, he's just a rental. Mm. Well, Rasmus Ristolainen if he's not willing to resign is also just a rental. Now I would assume that Ristolainen is open to resigning. I, I don't think he has the same, you know, qualms that Seth Jones did where Seth Jones really only wanted to be in two spots. He really only wanted to be in Chicago or Dallas. And there maybe was interest in Colorado. I I don't know how the heck they would have fit him. Um, Ristolainen, I suspect is probably open to resigning with the flyers. Now the flyers on the other hand, I mean, the the statement that Fletcher made before the you know before the trade does make me wonder if they are going to look to re-sign him early. You know, maybe that was part of it. They they can't they can't officially sign a guy to a deal until the first day of the league year. So the earliest they could sign him to a new deal is tomorrow is is July twenty eighth. But after that, they could sign him whenever. And maybe that's an off season priority. Maybe they figure if we gave up a first round pick, we we better sign this guy. At the same time, you know. There are risks involved with this guy that weren't there with somebody like Seth Jones. Like, and I know there was an analytics debate with Seth Jones, but I pointed oh, out yeah. in my article. I pointed out my article, like <laughs> the, the, the 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 Seth Jones analytics debate was basically like, do you think he's one of the top five best defensemen in hockey, or is he just good? But like, the only people there, there were very few people that were arguing he was bad, and those people were just idiots. Um, Ristolainen is different because like his results have been objectively bad. Like, so if you sign him without actually seeing if those results can get better in a new locale, that's a really big risk. So in my mind, I mean, 
I would recommend the Flyers not sign him until they see him on the ice in Philadelphia, at least for a month or two. You know, and hey, if 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 he looks good, if he's if he's turned it around, then sure, go ahead and sign him. He brings an element this defense doesn't have. But if you sign him now without seeing him, and he's just as bad in second pair of minutes as he was in first pair of minutes in Buffalo, then you risk having an albatross of a contract on your books for the next four or five years. And that's my big concern as part of this trade. That's Can a good point. Yeah, if I'm not still on that play. Oh, sorry, Jim, you're back. No. <laughs> sorry. Uh, just a quick question. So this is going to be unpopular. Uh, not a risk aligning guy myself. Uh, I'm also not a huge analytics guy. Um, just wasn't crazy for the player. Wasn't crazy for what they gave up for him. Um, I'm also not crazy at the thought of him playing with Travis Sanheim. So I, I want to ask you, how do you foresee that pair kind of meshing together? Because to me, it, it just kind of looks, it just feels like oil and water for some reason for me. Can you kind of help me see how that pair is going to pan out? Or are you still kind of in the same boat, uh, like, like you've been saying, that you need to actually see and, and see how they do? Because that's how I am. I'm like, all right, well, they got them. Like, they gave up what they gave up. They got the guy. All we can do now is sit back and see what happens. I mean, I think it's certainly worth a shot. And I do think the Flyers have in their heads a path to it working. And and it's, it's a logical path. The way they look at it is, look, Travis Sanheim is – a very good skater. He's a good puck carrier. He's a good passer. He's got good offensive instincts. What he's not is physical at all. He's not comfortable with the physical game. He's not comfortable in front of the net. And Rasmus line is very comfortable in those areas. So, okay, Sandheim does the puck moving stuff and the puck carrying stuff. Ristolainen is the guy who, you know, knocks the guy on his ass in front of the net and boom, you've got a good pair. And like that very well could be how it plays out without a doubt. The concern I do have with that pairing is that, and this goes back to what I was saying about my worries about his hockey IQ is that another one of Travis Sanheim's weaknesses is that he can get lost in coverage in the defensive zone, right. that his, his defensive instincts aren't, I don't think they're as bad as they're made out to be, but they're certainly not elite. They're certainly not high end. I would call them more inconsistent than terrible, but they're not great. Ristolainen, I don't think is this defensive stalwart. Like he's a guy who I've seen way too many times, you know, go chasing a puck carrier and pull himself out of position. Or that's, that's you know, what I'm worried about, right there. He go he he goes for a big hit and that leaves a two on one down low, and then boom, goal. Like I'm worried about having a guy with the propensity for those mistakes with Sanheim who already has the propensity for you know just leaving guys unmarked and stuff. That's a concern to me. That said, I mean, I I could see it working, so it's certainly worth a shot. But I I, I, I do I, I share some of those concerns about that pair. But we can always just collapse all five right in front of the net again. That seemed <laughs> to work so well last year. <laughs> God, pl please do not do not make us relive the the defensive follies of the, the 2020 2021 Philadelphia Flyers. Oh, shit. All right, well, let's, let's, that's enough for us to line of talk for now, I think. I'm sure well, there'll be yeah. plenty of that all year long. Oh, um, my God. Until he's, yeah, until he's gone. Yeah, well, yeah, we'll see. <laughs> uh, Keith Yandel, we just got some news about him today. That um, I wouldn't say surprise. A lot of people have seen some rumors. He's friends with Kevin Hayes. But your thoughts initially on the signing? I know we talked a little offline, but you know, let's get into it. 
Yeah, for the price, I think it's a perfectly fine signing. Um, you know, it's very clear that Chuck Fletcher has prioritized, you know, reshaping the nature of the locker room. Um, you know, just making it a, generally speaking, a better place to be after this past season. And Keith Yandel is, you know, very well known for being a super high character guy. I mean, you don't you don't play 900 consecutive games, you know, if you're not dedicated to the sport of hockey. Um, he's a popular guy. I think he's going to be popular in that locker room. You obviously said he's friends with Kevin Hayes. So he comes in with already a pre-existing connection there. So that's big. And I think Yandel in the right role can still be a pretty good defenseman. You know, he's, he's definitely is still a good power play defenseman. He was good with Florida, you know, in that regard at five on five, he's flawed. You know, he's always been flawed, but he's definitely lost a step. But if you can shelter him on the third pair, and use a guy like Justin Braun as his partner. And Justin Braun, you know, I know he's got his haters as well, but he's a good defensive defenseman. Now, the other stuff, maybe not so much, but in the defensive zone, he is sound. He will, you know, rub guys off the puck. He will, you know, prevent high danger chances. That's his bread and butter. So you put that kind of guy with a guy like Yandel, who can move the puck and can be offensively oriented and can provide help to his forwards in the offensive zone, but isn't very good defensively, you know, maybe those two actually end up complementing each other really well. And if you shelter them, if you keep them away from top lines as much as you can, you know, maybe he can be a solid player because last season, that's what Florida did. That's what Joel Quenville did in Florida. He stuck him next to Radko Gudis, put him on the third pair, gave him a ton of offensive zone face-off starts, and just was like, all right, we're going to take advantage of what you are right now, Keith Yandel. And Keith Yandel had a pretty good year. So if you'd use that same strategy, I think he could be a perfectly useful, you know, number six defenseman who is your power play specialist and is on your third pair. Um, is, so, I, I mean, I don't think it's destined to work. He could, he could be bad. He could just be finished. But he's at least a good locker room guy. He came cheap. And he, there's a plausible fit for me with Justin Braun that could work. Who do you see being more of the slip seat guy, him or Braun? Because I, I just have a feeling, like I have a sneaky suspicion, the signing of Morin, um, he's clearly your seventh at, at this point. And I do believe they do want him to have some time in and out of the lineup. Who do you think is more of the slip seat guy, Yandel or Braun? I think it probably depends on like who comes in because if it's, it's pretty hard for me to imagine them, which I agree that Moran will play. I mean, they'll put Moran in some games, you know, when they think they need an extra physical presence and maybe risk the line, isn't quite enough, you know, put in the, the six foot seven guy and just have them be there in case stuff goes bad. I don't think they would like the idea of going you know, Moran brawn. I mean, that's a scary third pair because no one can really move the puck. So maybe in the games where you bring Moran in, you pull Braun out and you have Yandel play the right side. You go Yandel Moran as a third pair, or maybe you shake things up more. Um, so in that sense, like I could see Braun coming out for Moran, but I do believe that Yandel probably enters the season with the, the least job security because Cam York is banging on the door. And I don't think this signing precludes Cam York making the team out of camp. I just think this signing allows the Flyers to look at it where if Cam York isn't obviously ready in camp, they can send him down to the AHL. They can have him play first pair of minutes and he can earn his way up that way. Whereas before this signing, they were kind of stuck. You know, you're not going to roll with a Moran Braun third pair. So you kind of were looking at, well, you sort of have to have Cam York in the lineup. Well, now he can battle Keith Yandel in camp. 
If Keith Yandel plays better, great. Keith Yandel's your third pair defenseman. If Keith Yandel doesn't play better, Cam York's your third pair defenseman, and Keith Yandel's Ironman streak ends in game one, and he's a scratch. You know, you're paying him $900,000. If a player signs that kind of deal, he knows he's not a lineup lock. So I look at it as, you know, Yandel is a he's on the edge. He's probably more of your six than Braun is, but Braun might be the guy they bring out for Moran. Yeah. And I think you said the perfect word when you said Cam York can earn it. Like these guys need to earn it. We've handed it over to the young guys too often and it's blown up in our face. And that's what I like about this. Keith handles a nice stop gap one year guy who can contribute this year in all the ways that you laid out. So I, I definitely like that. It's cheap under a million dollars. And if you, like you said, if Cam York beats him out of camp, then that's a good problem to have. Um, Let's jump to the offense real quick. You almost forget about the <laughs> board check for Cam Atkinson move right there. I mean, stand aside, Tarasenko. <laughs> Here comes Cam Atkinson. Um, what were your thoughts on this and how quickly it went down? Yeah, it was pretty clear that the Flyers, you know, and Voracek for that matter, that they just sort of decided that maybe it was time for a change. You know, the Flyers need to shake up the leadership core a little bit. Voracek maybe needed, you know, to, I think the word that Chuck Fletcher used was needed to re-energize somewhere else. So I think both sides, you know, Voracek said there was no hard feelings. Fletcher was trying to make some sort of move. And I'll be honest with you. I thought the move that they were going to make to move Voracek out was going to be a lot worse than this one. This move, I think, is a pretty good move. I think it's a pretty good hockey trade. In all honesty, I think it's a pretty fair hockey trade for both sides. You know, the Flyers clear up a little bit of cap, they shake up their leadership core, and they bring in a guy in Cam Atkinson who's always been, you know, a a high effort, you know, chippy type of player. He's 5'8", he plays bigger than his size. He shoot first, which Voracek clearly wasn't. He's a really good penalty killer, which they desperately needed because I certainly don't feel like watching the Flyers penalty kill be nearly as bad as it was last year. That was, that was ugly. Um, We're not talking about last year anymore. I okay. Thought we just okay. That. <laughs> but it just, you know, Atkinson, is he as talented as Jake Voracek? No, probably not. You know, Voracek's probably the more talented player. He's certainly the better point producer, you know, at with the two players in their respect, respective stages of their career. But Atkinson fits the needs of this team, I think, better than Voracek does. And by the same token, I think Voracek fits the needs of the Columbus Blue Jackets better than Atkinson does at this point in, point in time. Like, they can stick Jake Voracek on a line with Patrick Laine and have Jake Voracek pass to his heart's content and just let Patrick Laine take all the shots, and that'll be great. They the, the, the Blue Jackets are one of the few teams that probably have too many shooters, you know, the Flyers have too many passers. The Blue Jackets have too many shooters. So they sort of needed a guy to come in and be, you know, a pass first playmaker type. And I think Voracek will do quite well there, to be totally honest with you. So this was a trade I really liked, not just not because I think the Flyers like fleece the Blue Jackets. I like this trade because it was two teams looking to make changes and they made what I think was a pretty fair deal. I agree. And the Flyers get a, a guy who pushes the play and he doesn't stop moving. And we get rid of a guy who takes more shifts off than he plays hard. So, which is kind of needed in my personal opinion. So, agree. Uh, let's move on. We have a question from John here. Can you, am I, can you guys hear me? Am I good? You're fine. Yeah. Okay. Uh, so, he mentions in a, a press conference, Chuck Fletcher, we want to give our fourth line an identity. Any options to fill this left, Charlie? Have you heard that's, anything? That's an interesting question. Um, you know, 
I mean, there, there are certainly guys available. You know, one guy who's interesting to me, if they uh, if they want to go back to this well, um, he's a little older, but he was, certainly was popular in the locker room when he's here. If Pierre or Belmar hits the market, I mean, they, they could use some center depth. Maybe he's an option. You know, he's not huge. Uh, one guy who, if you're talking about physicality, who's interesting, he might be too expensive um, because, um, because I think Boston – even though they didn't qualify him, I think they'd probably like to bring him back. I just don't think they thought he was worth, you know, the like two and a half mil. He might've gotten arbitration. Nick Ritchie had a pretty good year for Boston this year. He's a big guy. He's played net front before over there. He could be an option. He's, he's a winger. So I think they probably more need a center than a winger at this stage, considering the way the rest of the roster shaping up. But he, he struck me as an interesting option when they, they chose not to qualify him and make him a, uh, an unrestricted free agent. Um, I do think though that, you know, they have the pieces that they could form an identity on that fourth line, you know, without necessarily adding somebody. I mean, I think Scott Lawton is exactly the kind of guy who can, can help you form an identity. If he's a fourth liner, I think he'll, he, he could do that. If Nick Albay Cubell isn't stupid more, I think I put in my argument, he, he didn't find the, the balance last year between aggressiveness and stupidity. If he falls more on the aggressiveness side, like he did in his rookie year, he could help the fourth line form an identity. So I do think the flyers probably want to add one more, you know, depth forward type guy who, uh, who maybe can, can try to build that identity on the fourth line. But I also think that like, if you roll with a Limblom, Lawton, all big Bell fourth line, I don't think that's bad. I don't think that's bad. And I think that could work. Um, as long as you have a couple other guys in the mix. Yeah, I mean, I was you, looking you to see if they'd even move a forward at this point, or, or uh, is there another trade on the horizon, like a winger for a forward is what I meant. There's a lot of options of free agency, but speaking of free agency, uh, the biggest need right now seems to be backup goalie. You have a preference. Where, where are you at with these Holpe rumors and some of the guys who are available in the free agent market? Yeah, if we're talking backup goalie, I mean, I understand the Holpe the Holpe thing. And it wouldn't shock me if the flyers are looking into it. He obviously was bought out today. So he's a free agent or he'll be a free agent tomorrow. Um, Holpe has been real bad the last two years. And you know, it's, it's certainly possible he could bounce back. He's only 31. So he's not like, you know, completely off the aging curve, but it does concern me that the last two years, he's been pretty bad one year in, in Washington, one year in Vancouver. And you wonder if maybe, you know, he's just aging quicker because he's had such a high workload throughout his thirties. Um, so he wouldn't be my top choice. I personally like Jonathan Bernier as an option. Um, I think he's a guy where, you know, he's, he played really well for a really bad Detroit Red Wings team. You know, if you're putting up a 913 save percentage for the Red Wings, you're probably a pretty good goalie. Um, but he also isn't the kind of guy who's going to come in and expect to start 50 games. You know, I want to get a guy who is a good goalie who can start 30 to 40 easily and do well in those games. And Bernie has really never had a bad season in the NHL, like a truly bad season in the NHL. But I also don't necessarily want a guy who comes in and you're you're wondering, ooh, is he the new number one? Is Carter Hart the number two? Like I want the team to show faith in Carter Hart despite his poor season and continue to make it clear that he is the guy, but I want them to get a better backup. And to me, Bernier fits, you know, checks both boxes. The only thing I will say about Bernier is that I've heard that at the moment his contract asks are pretty high. Um, he wants a raise on his $3 million, uh, cap hit. I don't know if the flyers can fit a raise. So Bernie to me is a great option, but it's gotta be at the right price. And we'll see if the flyers, I think the flyers will be in on Bernie, whether they can get him at the right price remains to be seen. 
That's a shame. I feel like they've been chasing Bernier since he's been the backup for Jonathan Quick yeah. forever. Um, and he's he's my top target as well. I'm not interested in Holby for every reason you just said. At the end of the day, if he got him, would I really be that upset? Probably not. Hopefully it'd only be on a one-year deal kind of thing. Um, are there any other names like uh, are James Reimer or Antiranta? I've heard Martin Jones has popped up. Uh, I think Old Mark also is asking for more money. Uh, any of those names jump out at you? Um, yeah, I mean, I, I would have a problem with Reimer. I think Bernier is better than Reimer, so I'd prefer Bernier. But Reimer would be fine. I think he'd be an upgrade over Elliott. Ranta is a great goalie, but his injury history scares me. You know, I just think that it, he's the kind of guy that you take a risk on if you're – you know, if you don't have a number one and you're just like, well, let's take a risk on this guy because if he stays healthy, he's awesome. There's a lot of Neuvert to him and that, that worries me with him. Um, even though I think he's probably better than Neuvert. Um, Martin Jones, he's been real bad in, 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 uh, San Jose for the last few yes. years. He bounced around last year. I, I just, I, I don't, I don't know if I want to go down that road. Um, and who was the other one you mentioned? Um, it was like a Allmark. Oh, Allmark. I mean, he's good. You know, the, the thing with Allmark is I do believe he's going to get more than what the Flyers can can offer unless the Flyers were to move out a big contract and then throw him in there. But I think Buffalo is trying to re-sign him. They have a lot of cap space, especially assuming they move Eichel, which I think they will. Um, so they're going to need to they're going to spend it on somebody. And why not spend it on a goalie who you already know fits, you know, with your team who is good. Um, but yeah, you know, Olmark is a good goalie. He's, you know, he's, he's big, he's talented. He's not that old. So yeah, if he, if the flyers could find a way to make that work, you know, that's a, that's a perfectly viable person to target. It's just that I don't know how they make him fit. I, I think he's going to clear four on, on a cap hit four mil. And I don't know how the flyers make that work unless they're, they're doing further roster surgery over the next couple of days. Yeah. If they do get a backup, you don't expect the years to be anything more than two or three, do you? No, no, I would I would expect you know two, three for the guys they're looking for. I mean, if they ended up with like a like a Halak, maybe one because he's older. But yeah, like a Bernie, a Reimer, two, three, probably four. I would think at the absolute most, if you're you know maybe you're at a bidding war and that's the only way you can get it done. Uh, but no, I'm not expecting them to you know sign a guy to like a five year deal. I, I it's hard for me. Maybe like maybe an all mark would get that, but I I'm not expecting them to be in on all mark. So all right, well. Charlie, I know you gave us over a half hour and I appreciate that. I uh, I just got one last question for you, and that's do you think Fletcher makes one more major to kind of major move? Do you think a roster player gets moved off his team, whether it's of Konechny's caliber or maybe a little bit lower, maybe for a center? Do you think anything of that is still in the cards? Personal feeling, do you think it gets done? You know, it's funny because I think like my head says no, because it does seem like the roster is shaping up, you know, very cleanly at the moment. My heart says, yeah, because it just seems like Fletcher is in full spice mode this off season. And the, pe <laughs> the people I've talked to, like I've, I've talked to some people close to the flyers and it was like, are they done? And we're like, maybe. And it's like, okay, you're not saying you're done. So <laughs> maybe, maybe there's still more to do. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think your, your head's in the right place, you know, if they were going to make another move, you know, James Van Reems likes the obvious guy. If you're trying to clear out some space, connect needs the obvious guy. If there's going to be a hockey trade. Um, but I don't think, I don't think they like, they want to move either of those guys. You know, I think guys like, you know, guys like Voracek, they came into the off season thinking we need to make a change. You know, 
Goss bear. They came into the offseason. We need to restructure the defense. You know, he doesn't really fit anymore. Yours going to take his place anyway. I don't think they came into the offseason thinking we need to get rid of James Van Riemsdyk or we need to get rid of Travis Konechny. Now, if a deal pops up that can make the team better or change the team in a way that they feel like, you know, will improve the, the overall upside of the club, sure, that could happen. And maybe that clears up some space that allows them to add a third line center or add a, you know, a better backup goalie than they can fit right now. Uh, but I don't think they're, they're desperate to move either one of those guys. Uh, I think they like connect me a lot. And I think they like JVR a lot more than people think, you know, they, they view him as a, uh, you know, a guy who sets a really good example for the young guys off the ice in terms of his training habits. And I think, you know, he really, he's had some years where he's, you know, maybe not been super committed to defense. I think this past year, I think he really committed to two way play. Um, and I think he, I, agree. I, I think he, he really made it clear that, you know, he was willing to play more of a 200 foot game. And I think they appreciated that. Um, especially because there were some other guys on the team that didn't make that so clear. Um, so I think they look at JVR as a guy where, you know, maybe he's a little bit overpaid for what he is, but he's still a good player. And I don't think they're going to just give him away unless they feel like it's, unless they feel like trading him puts them on a path to improving this team in another way. Now, that being said about the JVR last year playing a 200-foot game, I think we can all agree that that was by far the most physical season of hockey JVR has ever <laughs> played in his entire career. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah, especially in, like, the first couple months of the year. I think, you know, in, like, March and April, it didn't show up as much, although we did have that one uh, that one game where he took the puck to the face, scored, and then came back in the third and scored again. That was pretty cool. Um, but I agree. In, like, January and February, he was playing a surprisingly physical game, and that's not really his style it never has been his style so that was that was cool to see and i think i think people notice i think people in the organization noticed that you know he was one of the guys who you know didn't Bought seem in. to yeah he didn't seem to be you know you know dogging it or anything so i i think they appreciated that from him absolutely yeah Charlie. i could i could probably keep going for another hour and a half so i'm gonna <laughs> have to stop talking now jim do your thing <laughs> yeah charlie i'm i'm sure if, like i say it all the time if if People are listening to us. They already listen to you. They know where to find you already. Uh, but just in case the listeners and viewers don't, where can they find your work and where can they find you on social media? Yeah, sure. So uh, on Twitter, my handle is Charlie O underscore con. Uh, obviously, I write for The Athletic, a subscription-based site. I believe we're running a 50% deal right now for new subscribers. So if you're interested in, interested in checking it out, um, just click one of my articles and the deal should pop up. Um, and then obviously I'm also a regular on BSH radio on our flagship show on a weekly basis on our, uh, our podcast network. All right, man. Yeah. You do great work. Thanks for coming on the show. It was a pleasure. Hopefully we can talk to you again soon and, uh, we'll let you go, man. I know you have some, uh, some plans tonight, so thanks again and uh, have right. a good rest of your night. All right. Thanks a lot, guys. Thanks again, Charlie. All right. There he is everyone. Charlie O'Connor from Broad Street Hockey Radio and The Athletic. We learned a lot. That's a smart man right there. Let's uh, let's get down to some of the the topics that we talked about, guys. I mean, what do you want to start with? Well, might as well, you know, if you want to circle back to the the one that caused the most uh, commotion, Rasmus Ristolainen. You can tell he's hoping it works out. It's a little bit risky, especially for the price, but it ultimately seems like he's not truly a fan. I, I'm the same. And I know I'm, I'm a fucking piss. fan. Kiss, I'm piss all, kiss my ass, all of you. Kiss all my, kiss it all. I hated that trade <laughs> so badly. It was a lot. I mean, I, it was a lot. 
like I had to convince myself to like it and, and and like not like it, but like, okay, well, I mean, he went out and got somebody, so I can't be angry at that, but God damn it. I'm not crazy for this guy and I'm not crazy. They gave up a one to get him. I'm, I'm curious to hear, think, you know, what you guys think. I think a lot of uh, how much you paid for Risto had to do with the, uh, how fast guys like Larson like left the market and there was clear indication that that guys were leaving, you know, and, and if you weren't in on Seth Jones, you weren't in on Seth Jones. It, it was that easy. So it was kind of like, uh, okay, we either have to make a move for a guy or ho- overpay for somebody in free agency or overpay for somebody in a trade that we know we're not going to be paying $9.5 million to. So, so Mitch Mack stole my, my point. And seven other teams offered first round picks. And from what we heard, at least like four of them were playoff caliber teams. The reason the Buffalo took our pick is because it was the best pick at 13. So Hmm. a lot of the league, a lot of GMs in the league, those who are in the playoffs thinking that this guy could come in and help their team's playoff chances, wanted to risk the line. I mean, does that have any effect on you, Jim? Or you're just like, nope, I don't like him. Screw him. Well, I get it. I mean, like, so – and this is kind of like what we think they did with Braun, right? Like they gave up the two and the three for Justin Braun. Like, okay, that's a lot for Justin Braun. And this is kind of the same thing. It, I guess it's kind of like the same scenario. Like, hey, other teams are bidding them up. That's why they gave up a second and a third round pick for Braun. Hey, other teams are bidding them up. That's why they had to give the 13th overall pick for Rista Line. And then, you know, where I kind of talk myself down a little bit is, hey, okay, they give up the 13th overall pick in a crappy draft. I wanted them exactly. to trade the pick. They didn't care if they traded the pick. This is the guy they got. Hey, these are the good things that this guy does. Maybe, you know, and if you guys uh, read Johnny's article, great article, it's on hwhockey.net. If these things are true, maybe Ristolainen can, you know, turn himself around a little bit with the fly. I think he's going to get the best out of him. I have full confidence that this kid's going to come in here and, and shine in a second pairing. Uh, scenario. I, I do not. Th- I do not think the situation in Buffalo was ideal by any means. I mean, clearly Johnny highlighted this very, very precisely in his article. Buffalo is a dumpster fire. It has been. It is. It always will be. At least it seems like just a mess of an organization. This guy is going to come in here and it is going to be like somebody hooks up an oxygen tank to him, <laughs> shocks him in the chest, and he's just going to be hes going to be fine. And we're going to love watching him annihilate people. Nobody's standing <laughs> I, in front of I the net. We are going to love that. And we, we I really love your eternal that, optimism. Like this guy is going to have the perfect year. Everything uh, is going to go right. Yeah, well, the only I thing think- I'm concerned with, the only thing I'm concerned with is he has such a good year that his cap hit is going to go up exponentially well, that you brought that up i was thinking about <laughs> it but i don't know he already makes 5.8 could you really see him having such a good year he makes more than Provorov? i mean he'd have to freak I out i don't think like he's going to make more than yeah. Provorov, but i yeah. think i think even given risto at this point the same contract that he has now 5.8 oh. uh, giving giving our sample size of risto um in buffalo he doesn't deserve a 5.8 million dollar contract he doesn't. That that's flat be. out. He's he's a four million dollar a year defenseman. Now, if he comes here and he plays well defensively and he puts up thirty points, he's put up forty five in multiple seasons. If he puts up thirty points here and he plays good defensively, 
his contract's looking like five, five to six mil again. And um, I don't know if I want to pay that, but then again, I gave up a first for him. So I'm paying it. Yeah, that's exactly what you're doing. It's so not, it's not a mistake but, though. If he actually but, comes in and know. plays that good. Yeah. yeah. But yeah. the one argument that was against Rasmus that I couldn't stand was about his power play, his 45 point seasons. Well, he got that because he played on the power play. Just because you play on the power play does not automatically make you accumulate points. We've had t- guys here in Philly. <laughs> Look at <know>. Ghost. <laughs> yeah. Well, they just they you put they them on the power it. play, and they don't accumulate points. Like it's not a, a set thing. Not to mention Buffalo's not exactly oozing with talent, so that power play wasn't exactly lethal for all the years he was there. Yeah, he had Eichel, but like that's like it, you know. So. I'm not like I'm not buying into that. So I'm gonna give the guy a clean slate. You know, I'm just gonna let him play. I'm gonna let him do his thing. But I'm gonna love the grit he needs to bring because right now that's really the only grit we really brought. Ellis is a shorter guy. Um, oh, sorry. Oh, Kyle's dream. <laughs> God destroyed. damn it! Oh, it didn't happen, goodness. though, Johnny. You're making this up. Both. He did it yes, just. Well. He did it just to piss me off. That's it. That's the only. <laughs> you couldn't have. So those of you listening and not watching, Getzloff to the Oilers. You uh, you can't have both Rasmus and Getzloff. It was one or the other. You just couldn't. <laughs> and the other thing with Kyle is the dust is starting to settle a little bit. And JVR is still on the team. Kyle's boy, you know. Jake's you know gone. What? He plays- is gone. Seattle took neither of them. Like it's amazing. If you, if you look at JVR seasons with the Flyers coming back, uh, the the first year he was back, he had what twenty nine goals. The second year was a down year for JVR. You remember he got shoved down in the lineup. Last year was kind of a bright spot for the Flyers organization in terms of JVR. Like Charlie was alluding to, the dude committed full-on to a 200-foot game. He committed full-on into uh, Elaine Vigneault's system. He did not um, He did not shy away from physical contact along the boards in front of the net. He was a net front presence the entire year. No, he didn't put up 30 goals. He didn't. But I think overall, the way he played is more of – the way he played last year is more of how Chuck Fletcher wants the Flyers team to play in the coming years. And I think that that made him less expendable going into this offseason than, let's say, if he did what he did, not this year, but the year before, when the Flyers were actually pretty good and JVR wasn't. And the main thing that I really think he's also around for, I agree with everything you just said, it's the locker room chemistry, the, the better place to be. They want better guys in the locker room. I think getting Jake out was great. We've been saying that for months, for months. Years. Every guest we've had on, we've pretty much asked, would this team be better off without Jake Voracek? And they very nicely somehow managed to say yes. Whether it was hidden in code, they wouldn't right, come right out and say it. Like I think of Ant Sanfilippo was kind of like, uh, you know, most likely, you know what I mean? Like he wouldn't, he couldn't just say yes because it didn't happen yet. But we all know it, and it's happened, and it was a pretty good move. I'm actually very excited for a player like Cam Atkinson because one thing I think that he can help and Ryan Ellison can help, they are very energetic players. So maybe we'll stop getting off to slow friggin' starts. Like maybe the games will start and they'll just start playing right away, which will be great, and it'll have a trickle-down effect with the rest of the team, and maybe we'll actually be pretty good. You know what you can expect from Killer Cam? Watch this. Gostas there, trying to hold out the Blue Jackets, Flyers. Play it deep in their own zone. Laterra right wing. Out to center. 
Jumped in, knocked down by Savard. Lead pass for Atkinson. Trying to get behind the defense. Fires and scores! His second of the night! 4-2! Did you see it? Okay, that's great. Yeah. You know what my favorite part of that whole video was? Terra skating in concrete, almost <laughs> like, falling oh, down twice. Flips <laughs> the puck right to the defenseman like it yes. was a pack fly. <laughs> yeah. Dude, I, anyway, that guy's on say, our team now. For and I like Scotty Lawton, was... but yeah, one thing right. he couldn't do was finish on a shorthanded break. This guy's going to finish. Yep. Am I on a delay still? No, no I cut you off. stop with the bullshit. I cut delay. you off. <laughs> okay. So, as excited as I was for Ryan Ellis, I think I might be even more excited for Cam Atkinson. And I never thought I would see the day where I was excited that the Flyers traded for Cam Atkinson. Well, because Voracek went the other way. Yeah, and dude, after just watch, every every highlight that I looked up of this guy, it's a shorthanded goal. And it's like, wow, like the Flyers have a weapon shorthanded, right? Like, And in the shootout. Moves? Yeah, you there you go. Ever see his shootout moves? He is ridiculous. I mean, it, he actually is a very good penalty killer besides scoring goals. He's not like a, I just take risks. Like, he's actually, he takes pride in it. He's very good at it. Like, yeah. his day was a joke. So that's... That's awesome. That's going to help everything too. It's going to help Hart's confidence when he's not getting barraged from all angles. Like these guys actually know how to play defense and penalty kill. I think that one of the biggest underlying things of acquiring Cam Atkinson that a lot of people aren't looking at, like, oh yeah, he's got flashy goals. Um, he works hard, but I think that's that's the thing that people don't highlight as much is the dude has a motor that doesn't turn off. He doesn't quit on plays. He doesn't, oh, well, I lost the puck. I'm just going to go to the bench and get a line change because, you know, I'm at the end of my shift. He keeps going. He works harder than the six-foot-five guys that are big and physical. He just, he has to. He has to outwork people. And that kind of mentality goes so much further as a hockey player on the bench. When I see a guy go out there and, and not quit the entire shift, no matter how bad the shift's going, he just doesn't quit. He just keeps pushing and keeps trying. Even if it doesn't amount to a goal, when it's my turn to get on the ice, I want to go twice as hard. Just because. Yeah. I want to go contagious. twice as hard. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that kind of stuff's contagious, man. You're right. And it's, it's interesting that they shipped out guys like Ghost, Nolan Patrick. And the guys who don't guys, work. Right. Brought in guys like Atkinson. How about, how about for ghosts for absolute? I mean, they had to pay to get rid of him. I know cap space. You knew that commodity, was. You knew that was going to happen, though. We they tried to give him away for free, weren't we? Yeah, What's that? This time last year, we were all saying, I mean, they're going to have to give well, up. That's my But we would. There was like a. It was split on Twitter. Like, no, he's great. He's amazing. And it's mm. like, I think people think a fringe NHL player with offensive talent. But you can't, or um, defense, offensive defensive player, excuse me. But like you can't rely on guys like that. You can't trust guys like that. And at four and a half million dollars, the value in the flat cap world, the value is just zilch. We had to give up a second and the seventh. Did you hear what Seattle wanted? Cam York to take mm -hmm. Ghost off of him. But yeah, holy cow, true. like it's that bad. Like that, it's that it's bad. Very it tough. was. I don't know what the hell's going on with the delusional fan base of the Philadelphia Flyers, but um, if you're still crying over the fact that Ghost is gone, I'm out of tissues for you. I've been out of tissues for you three seasons ago. Where <laughs> Get over it. He was gone yeah. three seasons ago. Yeah. I mean, I think I held on to the longest simply for value sake, but it got to a point, especially with the flat cap. It's like, 
it's got to go. Like this is this is great. It's it's a highlight reel goal. It's what you remember. But they still lose the game by five goals, and he has a lot to do with that. Yes, three turnovers for breakaways. I'm so happy to take him if if it's nothing else, just because he's flashy, you know. But you, you know you what I think? Reliable players. You know what I think is really funny is that we we trade a, a player like Ghost and we bring in a guy like Ristolainen. And it's like all the all the Ghost supporters hate Ristolainen well, and all the Ristolainen supporters hated Ghost. It's, so it's a, like the same thing all over again. Natural, it's a natural headbutt move. Well, that, <laughs> I just, you guys I just forget, thought it was funny. You, you guys forget they also got rid of the other most hated flyer ever, uh, Robert Hag. So oh they really God. needed to cling to a new defenseman to hate, and it wasn't going to be <laughs> Ryan Ellis. <laughs> yeah. Dude, uh, so I'm I'm gonna like Mr. Line once in a while. So like I'm not I don't gonna think like I'm gonna come out and say I'm not gonna not like Rista Linen, but there's gonna be times when he goes to make that like unnecessary play that we talked about when Charlie was on. And just Sandheim's just gonna be in, in, in no man's land and they're gonna get scored on. It's gonna piss me off. I'm just saying it now. So when well, I get angry play. analytics are great and all, and there there's a place for them, but there's, and I heard this on flyers daily today. I'm not going to take credit for it, but like, there's no analytic for fear. Like when a player imposes his will on you of that size, suddenly yeah, the flyers sure. will have more room to operate. Yeah. Uh, suddenly players who have all the skill in the world and the analytics back it up. They'll they'll in that moment with him on the ice, they won't have that skill anymore. They'll just have fear. And, <laughs> and that causes mistakes. It does. You know, it's not something that lasts forever. And if we do make the playoffs, and I'm praying we do, we are going to love Ristolainen. And the other team's going to hate him. That's true. Hate him. You know, we just got to get there. But we've always been saying we've been building as a regular season team. And when it comes to playoff time, we're clueless. Well, yeah. If we get there, this is a playoff guy. I agree. The, the one thing I really need them to do is do something with the forward group. I know we've been talking about 3C and, you know, okay, Lawton's been slotted in 3C at this point going forward. We need to add some kind of that – some of that grit up front because Kubel just doesn't do it for me. He gets beat up in every fight he's in. He hmm. stopped hitting halfway through the season last year for no reason other than he just got in trouble with a couple hits and then he was just like, oh, well, I guess I can't hit anymore. I really want to see a guy like Zade Wisdom make that fourth line so bad. Like that would be nice. I don't know. I I kind of feel like right now. I mean, maybe tomorrow they go out and get a three C, Benino, Stepin, whoever. And I feel like maybe at the deadline they go out and get one of these grinder, grittier guys. Which I don't know. I kind of think that might be a mistake. I feel like they should go out and get them now. Doesn't have to play in every game. But at least this guy's around. I mean, I, I don't know. I'm I'm not sure what the you know the pros and cons are to bringing in that guy now as opposed to trade deadline. You know what I mean? Like he won't be on your cap, obviously. And then you know, come trade deadline, now you have to go out and find that guy, and will it mess well, with team and chemistry? Overpay for him. Yeah, overpay for You're him. You're gonna overpay for that guy too. And why are you gonna overpay for a guy you could pick up now? That's true. And you know, a guy I really wanted, and I w- I've been telling everybody I want him so bad, and then the freaking Rangers end up with him, is Sammy Bloss from St. Louis. I wanted him so bad. Why? Because he's big, he's physical, and he's got a hell of a wrist shot, an underrated wrist shot. The Rangers kind of went with that, you know, third and fourth roll kind of grittier guy thing this this summer, didn't they? Yeah. Goudreau, they, they got brought Blaise. it so far, yeah. And they got one more guy too, didn't they? I can't remember off the top of my head. But well, they got a couple guys. 
thought they Boo. lost somebody. I forget his they name. They lost Buznavich. Well, yeah, Buznavich but lost, no, uh, they Blackwell haven't. Oh, lost. Yeah, Blackwell, I think it was. They lost. He was a pretty solid pickup for nothing for them last year. Uh, it just felt, felt like they were making room for, like, we're going to bring all these other guys because all our money's about to swap hands with Eichel. Like, I thought they were going to, I thought for sure they were going to make a trade and it didn't involve a lot of wingers. So I thought they were bringing in guys to, Cheaper guys, but they still had the grittiness um, aspect. Kind of like the Grigio deal, not going to lie. I, I kind of wanted a player of that nature. Um, I would like Zeke. That contract the, really isn't that bad either. I know. I thought I thought he was going to get over four, and they ended up snagging him at 3.3. Not yeah, no, I mean, it, it might have been the yeah. length, but like it was a good move. So I can take off my free agent uh, offense options. I can take Getzloff off now. I put him on there for you, Kyle. I um, haven't seen anything on that for the record. So if anybody finds that, you can send it my way. I'm pretty sure Johnny's just trolling me at this point. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I believe I believe every word. I'm not much much like uh, Cam York um, with Keith Handel. Can we talk I about think- this a little bit? Go ahead. I know you just brought it up. Not, I just, I'm excited to talk about this, and I've been waiting to talk about that. Sorry. I'm All I was going to say is Morgan Frost is going to be the third line center, then he needs to earn it too. He needs to prove he needs to be there. So if they want to bring somebody in by all means, but go ahead, Jim. No, I just, I get that Keith Yandel's penciled into that third pairing, right? But he's like, like we talked about with Charlie, he's only making 900K. I posted my defensive pairings on Twitter, and I had Yandel slash York, right? And I didn't even mention Sam Moran. I like Sam Moran, right? Great story, great this, great that. But his comeback year's done. Now we like we Chuck Fletcher just put a winning a team together that, that we're hoping makes the playoffs and advances and advances. Hey, maybe they get to a cup. Is Sam Moran a defenseman on a Stanley Cup competing team? I don't know. I'm not sure. I'm not. This is not a slight against Sam Moran. That's why I didn't include him in my seventh my seven defenseman list. He's on there as an eighth. Maybe they carry two defensemen. It's not a slight to Sam Moran. I just think that Cam York is going to be pushing Keith Yandel, and I think Keith Yandel's Ironman streak, whatever it is, ends this year. And I don't think that's a bad thing. I think it's a good thing if Cam York gets playing time over Keith Yandel. Like like Charlie mentioned, he's only signed for 900K. That's not a guy that's guaranteed a roster spot every night. You know, and I want to know what you guys think. Is that something you would like to see, or would you like to see Yandel play the 82 game season and and York kind of develop in the AHL? I like the idea that there's going to be a battle now. It's you're going to push. I, I like the idea that they're going to push Cam York. Prove it, kid. You know what I mean? Not just oh, hey, you know, we kind of. We kind of need you to play. You know what I mean? It's going to be more of a, okay, you want to play here? Well, then prove you're better than a guy who's played 900 games in a row. Prove it. And if you do, that's great. You know, because nothing breeds a better hockey player than competition. It's the nature of the sport. If there's competition there, everybody's better. Everybody's better. And if if he can push Yandel out of the way, if you can prove, you know, Yandel belongs on in the press box, not me. And I still don't think necessarily if that battle takes place and Cam York takes it, but Yandel plays better than Braun. You don't know. I wouldn't pencil Braun in any of these spots either. Braun, he's getting old. We've seen the major step he lost from last year to this year. 
what's that step loss going to look like from last or from the previous season to this one? Is he going to get even slower? There's a good chance of it. Yeah, and I think Charlie kind of touched on that a little bit. And Christian, thanks for hanging out, buddy. Um, it depends on who goes out, and I think that's why um, Moran's still around. I, I mean, I still like the grittiness he brought. He was one of the only players last year who really, really cared, you know. And uh, he also scored a goal, his only goal the day my son was born, so he'll always be, have a soft spot in my heart. Um, <laughs> I just I just think – Kyle touched on it. If York – we've handed these guys – Sandheim, even Proveroff when he first came around, um, Myers, you know, we handed them roster spots, starting roster spots, top minutes, and it hasn't exactly gone well. Yes, Proveroff is good. He's had some rough stretches at times. Sandheim and Myers had horrible years last year. You know, just giving these guys ice time is not the way to go about it. They have to earn it. And if York wants to play on this team, and I think he's more than capable of it, he needs to earn it. And that's all this is. It's a one-year deal under a million dollars. affects nothing. And if he can't earn it, at least at least Keith Yandel has aspects to his game that can help this team this year. But if York does usurp him, and become the third line or third pairing defenseman, then we're all jumping in the streets. That's great. But the one thing we're not talking about is we're going to have a plethora of injuries, and all these guys are going to be playing. We're going to see Zamula probably at some point. Like there's going to be injuries up and down these lineups, and I think we're going to see a little bit of everybody. But as far as starting the season goes, and maybe Yandel won't get hurt because he does have the Iron Man streak. Um, I, I don't mind. And like Kyle, you made up a good point. Maybe Braun's the one that comes out and York comes in for him. I wouldn't be against that by any stretch. So be a, a, a weirdly offensive third pairing, which I don't think we see very much of. But if they get the job done, they get the job done. So it depends on how it's deployed. I'm not worried about it. And in like I was alluding to with Morgan Frost, if they want to bring in a, another center or figure something out, make them earn it. And that's all it is for me. You know what I love specifically right now? that we are talking about who's going to play on the third pairing. <laughs> right? <laughs> right? I mean, the beginning of all this, we're like, oh, my God, who's going to play with Provorov? Who's going to play with Sanheim? And it's like, yeah, my God, we're talking about who, you know, could Cam York potentially flex in over Keith Yandel some nights? <laughs> like, what a, yeah. what a job Chuck Fletcher's done, man. Like, this is what we wanted. And he, not just one guy, not just two. He brought in three different guys to play with, uh, you know, some of the younger guys in Provorov, Sanheim, uh, brought in Yandel to pair with York. But, you know, he's also going to be uh, bringing along, you know, Cam York. And uh, they brought in three three leadership caliber guys. Like, absolutely fantastic job, Chuck Fletcher, on a defensive end. Incredible that he was able to move Jake Voracek. Because we, we knew for such a long time, right, going back seasons now, that Voracek kind of looks like he might have to go, you know, based off some of the stuff he said in the media. And, you know, he, he goes missing for some amount of games and whatnot. If you want to read into things, it it was kind of like Voracek might have to go. And kudos to Chuck Fletcher for recognizing that, obviously. And also actually getting a player worth getting excited about, excited about back in Atkinson. That, that fills a need on your team for two point whatever it is million less than Voracek. Amazing. I, I don't know. I'm in awe of this guy right now. A lot of talk. There was a lot of talk from Chuck. Did I think did you guys think he was going to back it up 
to the point no, that he has. I got I had a week where I got real depressed. And this is a little bit of Rush Joyce fault when you had him on uh, <laughs> it, um, where it felt like it's funny when Yandel signed. I forget who put it on Twitter. Like everybody wants to sign with the Flyers. And I felt like once Seth Jones gave us the old nah, I, I just was like, oh, my God, this is going to be harder than I thought. And then Seattle. Thank God we traded for Ellis because Seattle's. I don't even know what the hell they're doing out there taking Carson Torinsky. Making a fantastic AHL team, the best that's ever friend stepped in the, the show, ice. mind you. <laughs> friend of the show, but fringe NHL player. I mean, come on. Like, it's, it's, I don't know what they're doing out there, but uh, it's not over yet. So I won't say nothing. But that we thought for sure, for sure, JVR, Gorchek, Ghost, one of those guys. You know, they even protected Kubel for God's sake. So that threw a wrench in our plans. Guys like Tarasenko, like, uh, oh my I God, you want to sell tickets? Uh, yeah, that's what I mean. I, I, I'll never, I don't understand it. We'll see what happens, but yeah, I didn't think things were good when we got turned down by Seth Jones. But to Chuck's credit, he don't mess around. He turns to the next thing and goes for it, and he got Ellis. When they were getting issues with Tarasenko, I heard that Armstrong kept changing the deal or kept saying uh, maybe, maybe not, maybe, maybe not. He said, that's enough, and he went right to Columbus after he said there will not be any move, probably won't be any moves this weekend or this draft or whatever, and he made. I think he made the trade with Borchek that day. You know, like that's a big move to name him. I mean, it's not like he moved a fourth liner for something, you know. So like I was that was impressive. He is not messing around, and I don't think he's done. Like, I think he does there is one more move that's made. I think he'll be aggressive as aggressive as he can at free agency. He's not gonna sign Duncan Hamilton. And I think if anybody messes around during the season, they're subject to trade as well, depending on who it is. Yeah, I love it. That's how it should be. You should always feel like you should. So it's like a weird thing with being comfortable, right? Like you want to be comfortable enough that you're able to play to your best ability, but you don't want your players to be too comfortable. And I think, you know, that's where Voracek was kind of going. He was too comfortable. You know, he was comfortable with calling, you know, people out in media and saying this and that and, you know, making up stupid things um, about, you know, you, you, you know, hockey, you can't play for 60 minutes because you're only getting 20 second shifts or whatever the hell he said. Right. It was just time to go. Like once you start talking like that outside the locker room to the media, it's like, oh shit, what's he saying inside the locker room? So kudos to Chuck, man. I know like two weeks ago I was like, man, I don't know if I trust this guy to get stuff done. I don't think he's creative. I don't think he's got any cards up his sleeves. Hey, hats off to you, Chuck. Way to go, man. We're excited for the Flyers again, and it's what July. This is what it, this is what it should be like. Look how excited we, we are already, and free agency starts tomorrow at noon. Yeah, like, yeah, it even started, yeah. Holy shit. Yeah, for the, for the young Flyers fans that have been watching us, this is what it felt like to be a Flyers fan growing up. Every summer was like Christmas. Every July was Christmas in July. It was like, okay, what are the Flyers going to do? Who are they going to go get? You know, this guy sucked. Who are they going to trade him to? This is fun. This is what it's like to be a Flyers fan. And uh, it's, it's hard to say that, you know, as it is right now today, July – What's today? 28th, 29th? 27th. <laughs> Thanks, Jack. The Flyers <laughs> might be the most improved team in the Metro Division oh, yeah. today, up to this point. Has That's anybody exciting. heard from Ron Hextall? <laughs> he signed Zach Aston Reese. Oh, it got me. <laughs> <laughs> he's doing, uh, <laughs> he's Dude, doing a lot he... of Vanex over there. He's, <laughs> he's falling asleep. That's is he the, the worst? Season I remember. Is he the worst general manager in the NHL? I don't know. We'll see what he does with Jeez, Pittsburgh. What a fall from grace. 
right? Like anybody can build a team through the draft, right? And and not hit on all their picks and just let the uh, right. NHL roster go to waste. Anybody can Oilers. do that. Oh yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, just it's like disgraceful what he what he did to the Flyers, man. And I, I really hope they win for Claude Giroux, dude, because he just he was wasted for. Well, so here's a question for you guys. Is there another athlete in Philadelphia that's whose career's been almost purposely wasted more than Claude Giroux? Purposely? Uh, no. But has there been another one that's been wasted? Ooh, for that long? Like 12 years? Like he's what? He came up in 2010, 2009, actually. Like, like when, when's like the Flyers haven't really been relevant. I mean, they had that one year, two years ago. But when's the last time they were really relevant? 2012, 11? That, that, uh, <laughs> 10? I, I would say when they 10 had and Yager. 11? I would say Yager, that Yager year. Oh, yeah. Okay, yeah, definitely. That was a fun year. But, like, since then, it's, like, been just mush, you know? And you're wasting Claude Giroux. They did the half-ass rebuild. You know, I don't want to hash all that. But, like, who comes to mind? Like, you had one of the top five, top ten players in the NHL, and you didn't do squat while he was here until now. You're not wrong. Just something to think about. You're not wrong. So, um, let me see. What else did I take down here? Free agency starts tomorrow. That should be fun. Anybody still out there since Ryan Guest left? Man, why can't I say his name? That's not official for the record. What LeBlanc said there, Flyers Johnny, is he said said, said if – Getzlav is going to move from Anaheim. It's most likely to Edmonton. Not, it's a done deal. Nobody said anything about a done deal. A lot changes, bud. Wow. Really what like, a, like a phone call? Like a phone call from <laughs> Chuck Fletcher. Oh. Like, come on, Getzlav. You had a you had a letter on your jersey last year. We're adding you. <laughs> yeah. I guess those Suter rumors are dead now for huh? I heard he wants like four years. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, He's thirty-six Ryan's years here. old. Um, as far as offense, uh, I saw somebody say they're connected to Wenberg. If you remember him, he did have a bounce back year with the with the Panthers, the Nolts, but he's asking for a lot. A turned lot. down a lot. He turned down what seven by seven? seven I don't think it was six? that much. I think it was like six by five or something. But it was a. It's still the years. It's a lot. Um, too much, too much for a third Zekas, line player. Krejci, I, I mean, I don't really think he's actually going to be free. I think he still goes back in Boston. Benino has been a name being discussed a lot. I wouldn't mind him. He's a very smart player, smart skater. He's just kind of slow. Um, Derek Stefan's been brought up, and Tyler Bozak. I saw all dropped. There's a bunch of names out there, but those are the ones I've actually seen somewhat connected with Philly. Not guess off. I threw that out there for Kyle. Bozak would be fun. I wanted him a couple he's years gonna be, ago. He's going to cost too much, dude. I thought Is he got he? signed. I feel like he got signed. Maybe. Right. Well, what do you guys? What else is there? I'm more interested in backup goalie right now. I, I feel like if they signed a I center, feel like they're going to run it back with Elliot. <laughs> no, I really do. I really based feel like what Elliot's they, no back. way. Based on what they said, that would shock me. I'll that bet you they, everything I own that they don't run it back with Brian Elliott. Another year contract for Elliott, two mil. Keep a name out, and I'm, I'm not the first one to say this, but uh, it's the backup to Winnipeg. He's a free agent right now. He's done a pretty solid oh, Bruce job. Oh, Bressois. Laurent. Laurent. Keep an eye out for an under-the-radar under the signing. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I'm definitely all about um, 
Bernier. But if he does get too expensive and you do want to add another forward, ooh, I don't think I do that. So we'll see what happens. Um, it's going to be interesting. Uh, we know the first sign is going to be Keith Yandel, and that goes official, followed up by Getzloff to Edmonton. Oh! Something I want to argue with you guys about. I forgot. What? What? How come no one likes Braden Holtby? Because he, he's been ahead. not good. So he's been not, not only, good at all. And I don't know. If, <laughs> I don't honestly remember. If Charlie did say this. I might have heard it on a different podcast. Not only has he been playing bad the last few years. Apparently, this past year in, in Vancouver, he's had serious confidence issues about if he's an NHL starter. Uh, anymore and that's like uh that's a big you don't have confidence you're gonna play goal we can't get rid of carter right now we're, you know, we're not gonna i know he's confidence issues we're gonna fix the d we're gonna get him a better uh backup but like i want to bring in a guy at age 31 whose play has fallen off a cliff and didn't have the horrible defensive uh issues we've had and has now having confidence issues that's like the last thing you want you want two goalies with confidence issues like no thanks Is he only 31? That's what Charlie said. That's young. I know. It's a little I'm weird, for, right? I'm all for Brayden Holpe. Yeah. Nah, well, my my confidence thing did nothing for you, huh? <laughs> You're like, bring him in. Yeah, I want him. Uh, I think, uh, you know, him you and Hart have some kind of relationship there, and maybe they build on that, and, you know, maybe, uh, maybe Holpe having to take Hart under his wing – somehow gives him like the big brother confidence and i, I don't know i'm just making stuff up if you can get is him that, cheap enough yeah f it why not yeah. if you can worse, is he better or worse than elliot better potentially i, I think elliot potentially better, better last year <laughs> so here's he the thing a really bad year let's say let's say they're the same he and brian elliot right let's say they're the same they put up the same numbers same skill whatever the advantage, though, for Holpe is he can play an extra game, whereas Brian Elliott, you know, phased out. He well, couldn't play down, two, three games in a row. You're, you're right. It came, if it came down to Elliott and Holpe, they'd take Holpe, and they wouldn't think twice because of that reason. He's stayed healthy. He can play. If Hart were to get hurt, he could take the reins and play. I mean, he might be in his own head, but he can stay healthy where Elliott needed rest. Like, he was, he's just not that guy, and now he's another yeah. year older. Yeah, he's I, love, I love Elliott, but it is what it is. You're just not that guy, pal. <laughs> True. <laughs> All right. Well, I got nothing else. Any thoughts on the Flyers draft picks, Jack? I like the guy who drafted in the second round. Uh, however, I can't pronounce that. Are you kidding? Serious? You're going to make me do that? <laughs> Timo Samba. Blah, 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 blah. Um, <laughs> he, um, He's Iraqi? How'd you know? <laughs> uh, first one. He says he's explosive on the ice. Okay, I'm done. I'm done. Uh, <laughs> Um, he, uh, a very emotional player. Um, one of those guys that kind of like Anthony D'Angelo, he's not as bad where he'll start saying ethnic racist slurs and stuff to players and referees. Not that bad, but like, he's very emotional. He's looks when they're losing and he's not on the ice, he's like pissed off, but it's, and this again was said on flyers daily. Um, it's easier to calm a guy down than it is to get a guy up. And I'd rather have the guy who's already in, like a little bit of a nutcase. You're sick, Kyle. You're sick. They got pills for that. I'm just yeah, saying. Yeah, they got not in Philly. They don't. Um, <laughs> but like I would rather have a guy who who wants to be out there and is angry he's not than a guy who could care less. And then you got to try to talk him into playing. Though so he's a very emotional kid. He's very immature. 
body-wise as well. Let them develop. See what happens. You're going to take a shot in a draft like this. Go for the go for gold. You know, don't get another two-way forward. Like go get somebody who can actually put the puck in the net. And he he's very good at scoring. Scores from all sorts of angles. So hey, why not? And I heard that the goalie was a little bit of a reach at the time, but who the hell cares in this draft? It's a little bit. He's like a year older, but he held his own in the KHL. He's the youngest goalie to get a shutout in the KHL at 19. Uh, and then they took three defensemen that essentially have the tools they're looking for. They're very raw. Want to let them develop. I don't expect too much from this draft, but then again, like we, the top pick we had, we used for a top defenseman, and it's kind of a weird draft anyway. So this is one we're not really going to be able to judge until like five years down the line. I expect nothing from this draft. Jack shit. We're not going to see a single one of these players. And I think that's going to be the same story for about the rest of the NHL because nobody knows anything at this point. Eight or nine player draft, baby. That's it. I, for one, love that we're not going to see, you know, a first round pick pushed out into the roster this year. Like, uh, you know, like a Farabee or... You or know, Nolan Patrick. Day, like, or, uh... Nolan Patrick. <laughs> like, I love that we have finally, finally a filled out NHL roster and we can go let our draft picks, you know, do whatever they're going to do in the AHL, whatever the hell league they're going to go play in, you know, grow up a little bit, you know, mentally, physically, uh, not have to be rushed, pushed into a high pressure. It's either you perform or, you know, you're out the door situation, like, fine. This is how it should be. Guys should be able to work their way up onto the roster. It shouldn't be, man, our roster is so bare bone thin that we have to push this guy out. And if we don't get production, uh, if we don't get production from this 20, 20 year old, 21, 22 year old kid, you know, the Philly fans are going to murder this kid. It shouldn't be like that. This is how it should be. Let these kids work their way onto the roster. Let them prove that they're mentally and physically ready, right? Like like Morgan Frost, for example. Mentally, he might be ready for the NHL. He's got the skill. He's got the smarts, got the vision, doesn't have the NHL body yet. And, you know, unfortunately, he was tapped last year, and it was a you know a freak injury. Hurt, out for the year. That, that kind of stuff happens when you're not physically ready to play. And – you know, I guess what I'm saying is, thank God we don't have to see that anymore because they got a roster. You're not so, wrong. And if the kids are going to make it, they're going to have to earn it. And that's the way it's supposed to be. That's how it should be. Having said that, why don't we wrap up the show? Hour and All 20 minutes right. in. Awesome episode. Uh, I want to thank Charlie for coming on once again. His first, first timer on HW. Um, yeah, we got a lot going on here at HW. Make sure you check out our site, hwhockey.net. A lot of stuff on there. If you uh, happen to be off Twitter for the day, make sure you check out John, one of Johnny's articles. Uh, catch up on what's going on. Flyers rumor mill, uh, NHL rumor mill. You can find it all on there. Uh, you don't need to be scrolling Twitter all day. Now you can go to hwhockey.net and find all the info right there. Uh, check out some of our episodes. We put out a ton of content last week. Uh, we've got a full circle episode coming up. Uh, right, Jack? Uh, Correct. Is it this weekend? We're going to try to go this weekend. We'll see about a guest, but either way, we should be recording. Yeah. So if you need Flyers content, look no further. HWHockey.net. Go subscribe to our YouTube page. We're trying to give away a jersey here. Simmer. Tag still on it. Brand new jersey. We need to get 150 YouTube subscribers, so it's up to you guys if we're going to give that away or not. Go ahead and give us a subscription. Um, 
What else do we got new? Kyle, what do you got going on with the sheriff? Tons of stuff. Uh, we're, we're actually trying to figure out what episode we want to release this week. We have about <laughs> 10 in the archive. So that's a good problem to have. That means you're busy. Mm-hmm. All right. Make sure you guys go check out the sheriff. Make sure you check out in case you missed it last night. Supposed to have Jamie Baskow on. We rescheduled for Friday. Uh, I'll be back tomorrow night with Anthony DeMarco. And Thursday night, the Bright Side Boys will have Jason Martinez on. So that should be a fun one. Uh, yeah, huge guest coming up on HW next weekend. Uh, I'm sorry, next Tuesday. Uh, Dave Pagnotta from the fourth period will be joining us for an episode. And I'm sure he'll have a bunch of information for you guys to uh, to uh, listen to then. Having said that, we'll wrap up this episode. Let's go eat dinner. And we'll be back next week. Thanks, guys.